Welcome, Wildcat fans, to Weber State Weekly, a member of the Big Sky Podcast Network. I'm your host, Colby Peterson. On the show today, we have with us Dustin Chappie Chapman. Hey, guys. Happy to be here. Happy to have you, Chappie. We also have with us a Sean Lewis. I, I'm more salty than I was three episodes ago. <laughs> and the return of the conquering hero, Mr. John King. Good to be back, Colby. <laughs> yeah, good to have you, man. On today's show, we're going to be uh, we have a softball interview for you folks. The the softball team has been on a tear up at, at Weber State, and so we're going to be talking with uh, freshman outfielder Mia Rushton about her choice to come to Weber State, how she got on the radar, and about the success the softball team has been having this season. Uh, next, we're also going to be talking about well. The elephant in the room, the FCS bracket, was released on Sunday. We're going to get takes from the panel about how they feel and uh, going to maybe project a little bit forward to this weekend's matchup against Southern Illinois against the Salukis here at uh, Stewart Stadium in Ogden. And then finally, we're going to be playing a game called Ice Cold Blows. We're going to be getting our panel's takes. Uh, we want to know their coldest take ever about Weber State sports. So we're going to be uh, going into the uh, the closet with the skeletons there about what you were totally wrong about when it came to Weber State sports. So before we do that, let's always remember to subscribe to the show. If you haven't already, we're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all great places to get Weber State Weekly into your ears. We also have social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Twitter is one of the best places to interact with the Weber State Weekly team, especially on game day. Uh, we have a Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash Weber State Weekly to support the work that we're trying to do to elevate the coverage of Weber State sports, whatever they may be. And uh, please make sure to tell your friends and leave us reviews on those podcast feeds. Uh, the more folks that know about us, the better. So, all right, Wildcat fans, now we are uh, pleased to open the show with a Really great interview. We got a softball interview. It's been a while since we've done one of these, since we had Coach Amy Cohn on a probably a couple months ago, actually, is the beginning of the softball season. But we are pleased to welcome freshman outfielder Mia Rushton to the show to talk a little bit about her success in this, you know, season. She's hitting 374 right now, just just absolutely getting on base, doing a great job for the Wildcats as we remain undefeated in uh in conference play. So Mia Rushton, welcome to Weaver State Weekly. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you for having me. Yeah, like we said, the Wildcats, you know, of which you're a part, uh, you know, having a, a great season. They're undefeated thus far, but I wanted to take us back before we get into this season and talk a little bit about your journey to Weber State, originally from San Diego. And so talk to me a little bit about that journey. How did you get on Coach Amicone's radar uh, as, a, as a native of San Diego all the way up here in Ogden, Utah? Okay, so originally I had planned on staying in San Diego for school. And that didn't work out with um, University of San Diego. So I opened back up my recruitment um, junior summer, I believe. And I reached out to a bunch of schools, um, primarily um, ones near near where I live. Um, what really stood out about Weber State is my dad actually grew up in Ogden. So I was familiar with Weber State even before um, they even came to a game. So they came to a game looking for fast outfielder, I guess. And we had a conversation afterwards and pretty much from there we organized a unofficial visit. So just to check out check things out and see how I liked it. That's great. So I didn't know that your father had grown up in Ogden, so that's wonderful. So like you said, already sort of knew a little bit about Ogden. Had you ever visited before though? I have. Um my family actually I actually have family up in North Ogden. So we I grew up visiting um, around here, probably ever since I can remember. So I've been familiar of Weber State. My grandpa went to Weber State. So I really actually have 
a lot of um, experience being here, I guess. That's awesome. So generation of Wildcats, you know, living down in San Diego, but uh, still still paying homage to their roots up here in Ogden. So good to hear. So like you said, when once you had kind of begun that process, had talked to Coach Emiko and they came down and saw you play at a game, um, kind of what was the deciding factor for you to, to make the jump from sunny San Diego all the way up here to snowy and now windy, very windy today, Ogden, Utah? Yeah, it was a it was a big um, moment for me. I think just having to really reflect on what I wanted. Um, my unofficial visit was the biggest deciding factor. I think for me, just seeing what Weaver State is all about, their competitive excellence, the welcoming, everyone's being so welcome um, to me, and I just love that Coach Amicone wants to compete. And that's what I want is nothing, nothing more than I want. I just want to compete and I just want to have a good time. And I knew that they could give that to me and not to mention it's beautiful here. Different kind of beautiful, obviously, but yeah, no palm trees in sight, but still a good time. <laughs> still a good time. So me, yeah, I want to talk to you about uh, just uh, a couple of things. One, um, how is it getting to get so much playing time as a freshman on a, on a championship caliber team? Did you expect to break the starting lineup like that? Or was that something that uh, obviously you've earned it and your play has justified it, but, but tell us about getting to play so early. So honestly, I, I did not expect, I don't expect anything. Um, like I'm not entitled to play. Um, everyone works just as hard as me, but preseason, I really just came out um, ready to fight and ready to compete because that's, was my goal coming in that I did want to play, see the field. And so honestly, just my hard work really, I think took me to that level that I'm at right now. So. And then one other question that, that I, I find interesting, I don't know if the other guys will, would you rather get an RBI hitting or throw somebody out from the outfield? Uh, what's the bigger thrill for you as a player in the outfield? Personally, I love throwing out people. I think it's the coolest thing ever just to have that feel it as soon as it comes out of your hand. That's going to be a perfect throw just in time. That is so exciting. And I know it just pumps the entire team up. So I think it's a really big um, momentum maker. So Mia, I kind of want to talk to you a little bit about the last month. I mean, you've kind of been on a tear at the plate. Um, you know, your batting average has climbed almost 80 points. Um, basically since the middle of last month. So I was hoping you could like kind of talk about like what your approach at the plate has been um, over the last couple of weeks and how that's kind of, you know, affected your game. So first I want to contribute my, like part of my success to my teammates. My teammates are amazing. So are my coaches. They always are pushing me to new limits, trying to make me be the best version of myself. Um, and as for when I'm up to bat, I honestly just try to keep it simple and have fun because all I can control are my attitude and effort. So I just give it my all and uh, don't make a moment too big. Yeah, and so thus far, Mia, that, that has, uh, like John noted, has really worked in the past month uh, since conference play has begun. You've been, you know, just uh, like he noted on the tear. And uh, like I noted in the top, um, a person who has not struck out very much at all, I think I saw – in the statistics from the school that uh, you had about 140 or so at bats this year, or maybe 130 at bats, only struck out 12 times. Like it's just, you know, <laughs> she's getting on base or, uh, you know, 
or she's getting a walk. I don't know, man. Just like, and so talk to us a little bit about that because um, I think that this is, this is an area where a lot of people struggle, especially coming up as a freshman to the collegiate level and at a D one level, no less, you know, not, not exactly playing at, at, a, at a different level, one of the highest levels in college sports. Talk to us about your success there and how you've been able to get on base so much and avoid, you know, the dreaded strikeout. So when I'm up to bat, um, I think a big thing that can separate success from not, not being successful is your composure up to bat. And I really try to stay calm and collected, no matter whether I'm, no matter if I'm down or up in the count. So there's been plenty of times where I've gotten two strikes on me, probably more than, more than not. Um, but I really just try to see, see the ball, see the ball, and be aggressive with our swings. That's what um, is important to me. Um, just being aggressive and. Um, just knowing what I'm capable of at the end of the day. I was, I was going to ask something. This is something that, that I've never, that, that I find is unique to softball, at least softball here in the Northern area, of Northern Utah, you guys basically spend the first month of your season, um, call it your spring training, if you will, indoors. And then you spend the first month on the road, you know, a lot of Southern Utah tournaments, you're down in Vegas for a little bit. how, how weird is that? You know, because we're used to, you know, like football and basketball, you, you, you can travel, it's indoors, basketball's indoors, so you can go back and forth. But for you guys, you're basically on the road for the first month of that season. How good is it to come home um, to Wildcat Softball Field? And how does, what is, what makes Wildcat Softball Field so special for the Weber State team, which I think we're still undefeated here at home? Maybe we've lost one. I, I can't remember. Um, but, I think we're still undefeated here at home. What makes the home field so uh, special for you guys after spending so much time on the road? So I think what differentiates um, a school like us that has all four seasons and somewhere in California that's always sunny, um, we really take advantage of the time we have outside just because of how much we had to spend inside. And that's not ideal, obviously, for softball because – we don't play inside. So we really just try to take advantage of knowing our field, I think, um, practicing on every single kind of scenario. We could possibly just, we just want to be prepared. And I think we do a great job with that. And our home field just brings so much, uh, so much good, so many good feelings, I think, for everybody having our seniors be there, getting to spend another extra year. Um, it's just a great feeling, and we always just try to have good times playing our music, um, just doing what we love to do. Mia, do you think that there's a cold weather advantage for you all? Because like like Sean noted, often there's uh, that beginning of the season, you're playing in Phoenix, you're playing in Vegas, you're playing in St. George, uh, and then you finally you know get your opportunity to play at home, and it's still not exactly you know balmy out there. You know, you're still maybe hovering in the mid-50s and maybe the low-60s. Do you feel like you have an advantage there? Because, you know, some of the teams that come up to play the Wildcats at Wildcat softball field, uh, maybe they don't, they haven't experienced that. What's your take on that? I definitely do think that we have more experience um, just because we are forced to play in the conditions, whether it's like 30 degrees, well, 32 degrees, we're allowed to play in, but just layering up, being able to play through it and just knowing that it could be worse and it's pretty much all mental. 
um, we say that there's no such thing as bad weather, just bad planning on what you wear. So that's a good, we try to have a positive mentality about it, I think. So that helps. Yeah, this team has won 10 of their last 11, 11 games have really, really taken off over the last, you know, last couple of weeks of the season. How do you guys make sure, you know, as the season winds down to really carry those momentum into the conference tournament to try to get an NCAA tournament bid? So we have this saying called sometimes you, sometimes me, always us. And what, what that means is basically um, – one person can be on for the day, another person can be on another day, but at the end of the day, it's all of our success. It's not just that one person's success, it's all of our success. And um, that's what's really important to us, and we've been really buying into that lately, and I know we will continue to. And just having each other's backs is what we do best, so. Yeah, Mia, so a big series coming up this weekend against Southern Utah down in Cedar City. I believe they are the number two, and, and the Wildcats are obviously number one. So this is kind of a clash of the Titans in the Big Sky Conference. Um, talk to us a little bit about that. How how does preparing to go on the road and face the Wildcats, or uh, face the T-Birds, how, how do you prep for that? Because there was a good series in Sacramento where you folks went on the road and were able to pull out uh, three wins uh, away from the Hornets, which was you know was big time, but now I think a true test for that conference championship uh, at the regular season that is to go down to Cedar City and take on number two so Southern Utah. So I think the biggest thing um, we are working on is just staying humble because although we are winning, that doesn't mean that that's always going to continue, and any team at any point can compete, and they can show up that day. We can show up. We can. It's just going to be um, how hard we work and how hard we work as a team that day. But they're good competition, and I think we're excited for it rather than nervous. Um, we turn those nervous kind of feelings in our stomach into being excited, just focusing on the positives instead of coming in with a negative kind of attitude. Well, folks, like we said, the Wildcats will be hitting the road this weekend, heading down to Cedar City to take on the, the I mean, a little bit longer rival, conference rival, SUU T-Birds, at their park for a three-game set. Um, looking forward to that. You can check that out on Big Sky, WatchBigSkyTV.com or WatchBigSky.com and Pluto TV this weekend. So, uh, Russian wanted to thank you so much for being willing to come on Weaver State Weekly and talk to us a little bit about who you are and, of course, the success that you've had thus far in this season. Of course. Thank you guys so much. Great time. Hey, Wildcat fans. This episode of Weaver State Weekly is sponsored by Wildcat Rack. If you're looking for one-of-a-kind, officially licensed Weaver State apparel, Wildcat Rack is the place. All the designs and apparel are made right here in Weber County by people who know and love the purple and white. Check out the latest designs by going to their website, wildcatrack.com, and be sure to follow them on Facebook and Instagram for new designs and sneak peeks as they become available. Now, back for more Weaver State Weekly. All right, we want to thank Mia Rushton for taking a little bit of time out of her busy schedule. It's getting to the end of semester, so we know that the student-athletes are very busy, but we appreciate her coming on Weber State Weekly tonight to talk a little bit about her willingness to come to Weber State and the success that she's had thus far. Now, guys, we're going to talk about the FCS bracket. Uh, on Sunday, we had the Selection Sunday show was released, and we saw that the Wildcats uh, got, you know, only the top four teams were seeded, and surprisingly, the Wildcats were not one of those. Wildcats will face the Southern Illinois Salukis this weekend in Stewart Stadium. 
Um, but we wanted to get our panel's initial reactions from this one. So uh, let's start with you, Dustin Chappie Chapman, who has been very vocal on Twitter about this. Talk to us about kind of how you were feeling when the Wildcats were announced as a non-seeded team and would be squaring off against the Salukis, who some have argued maybe shouldn't even been in the bracket in the first place. The initial reaction was not happy, <laughs> but you know, I don't know. As, as, as it's gone on and time's gone on, I'm, I've, I've compartmentalized it a little bit. Um, the, the overriding point, the overriding sentiment to me, Weber, Weber State definitely got screwed here. But in fact, all the teams in the West did. I, you know, they, they, they mentioned all year regionalization as the big thing in, in the playoffs. And I mean, that hurt them. It, it hurt not having San Diego out here in the West. It hurt. Uh, you know, make the playoffs. It hurt having us in Eastern Washington and the Dakota schools pretty much be like the only teams in the West. You know, that that hurts. And I don't even know if you call the Dakotas the West. Uh, that part of it really hurt Weber State. But, you know, the overriding sentiment to me as I've thought about it is that, thank goodness, we compete in a division where none of that matters. You know, you can you can get screwed in the playoff rankings or in the seating or whatever you want when you squat on the field and make it happen. And if you make it happen, you still have a chance to win a title. The road may not be as easy as you want, but it doesn't matter. You still have at least a chance. It's not like FBS where if you get screwed, you're screwed and you don't uh, you don't get a play for a title at all. That was kind of the uh, the sentiment shared by Coach Jay Hill at the uh, once the bracket was live, and he did a little bit of press conference afterward. You know, just sort of noted that you play who's in front of you, man, and uh, this is the draw that the Wildcats have given been given, and so you just got to play the team that's in front of you and hope that you can advance. Win in advance were his words. Um, Sean Lewis, uh, what about you? Initial reactions on this one once that was uh, once the bracket was revealed. I, I expressed some saltiness on the Twitter machine on Sunday morning. I called it a middle finger from the FCS committee to the Big Sky Conference as a whole. Um, and I get where Chappie's coming from uh, on the uh, very few teams out West. And, and I understand what they were trying to do. But if we expand this to a 24-team field, which is traditionally what the FCS playoffs are, I'm not sure Weber State is seated in that tournament either. Mm. And based on where we're at in the, the seedings here, because I don't think that a conference champion undefeated out of the big sky should be playing the number one overall seed in the second weekend. That's, that is just mind boggling to me. Regionalization. If this was a regional tournament, why didn't they put Weber State and Eastern Washington together in the first round. Why are they on opposite sides of the bracket? Why is why is the path for uh, um, Weber State uh, involved Jacksonville State on the bottom half of of the bracket um, if if they happen to get past uh, South Dakota? Um, so I, I I was salty. I, I think there's a lot of disrespect to the Big Sky Conference as a whole. I, I have no clue what the committee was thinking. I'm sure there was something in there that, with data that I don't have. I'll give them that little bit of the benefit of the doubt, but I think this is a major disrespect to a conference that is widely uh, regarded as one of the top three conferences in FCS. And, and so I think that is just a huge middle finger from, from the committee. That said, here is my, my, my reaction here. The only team that scares me on Weber State's side of the bracket is South Dakota State. That's the only team. If we beat Southern Illinois at home, 
and we can get by South Dakota State, which I think is going to be a fantastic game. I wish Brookings, South Dakota was easier to get to because I would travel to that one. Um, I I think if we can get past South Dakota State, the path to Frisco is very, very easy for the Wildcats. I, Sean, to to top on that a little bit, I'm with you. Like, I, Chris Hammond, I think, said it really well on our reaction show on Sunday when he's talked about what was Montana's representative on the committee doing? You know, like, was he just sitting in the room and saying, yeah, do whatever, pass the popcorn? You know, like, yeah, but I'm going to push back on Chris a little bit on that because when you're a representative from the big sky, you're not eligible to advocate for your conference schools. Yeah. Now, some of that may happen behind the scenes, but officially in the room, you can't advocate. You are you are recused from the room when when your school and your conference is brought up. It, a, correct me if I'm wrong on that. No, it's a fair but point. I think that's how it works. It's a fair point, but I don't know. I feel like they talk. But to me, the biggest disrespect Explain. to Big Sky was that, was that how in the world do you get five teams from the Missouri Valley Conference in and, and, and two from the Big Sky? I mean, look, I get it. Montana and Montana State weren't playing. Great. Neither of them have won a conference title in close to a decade. Okay, they're great schools. Very much respect them, but they're not the conference. <laughs> they're not. They're we, not we need to let not the conference. We need to let John King come into this conversation. But but yeah. the the fact of the matter is, the FCS selection committee has proven time and time again it's all about name recognition. And as Weber State fans, we thought we had earned that name recognition with five state appearances, winning consistently in the playoffs and being in the quarterfinals and the semifinals last year, we thought we were on the cusp nationally of, yeah, I get that this season did not have the scoreboard flashing that that we all anticipated. And that is nothing but Weber state's fault. It's entirely within the team's control, but the big sky as a conference got hosed when, when their conference champion is, is has to play the overall number one seed. And the only other representative from that conference has to travel to North Dakota state who has won nine of the last 10 titles, I think is the number that just ridiculous from the committee. And I've got to be done or I'm going to say something I'm going to regret. So, and talk, DJ Dan's going to mute my mic. Talk, talk to us a little bit about uh, your perspective, because um, you're from a place that is close to many of these schools, inclu- including James Madison, who got a, a seed of one of the four uh, and was not the, the Colonial Athletic Associations. Um, they were the CAA. They were not the champion. And so talk to us a little bit about your perspective as somebody who is you know, not from Utah and uh, familiar with a lot of these other FCS schools from back east. So when I, I think it was I think it was Sam Herder on Saturday night when had, he had the you know the quote leaked bracket and when he first posted that out the first thing I saw I said was like oh man this is kind of exciting because you know you know I think it had JMU as the one seed and it also had Weber State um, uh, it had Weber State as like the four seed I was like all right well you know we'll just go to Harrisonburg one more time and complete the trilogy and third time's a charm and you know you know exercise some bad demons and then eventually kind of you know and it, it, on our on our way to Frisco Texas where we would hopefully win the national championship um, obviously that didn't happen and when I got out of, when I got out of church on Sunday um, you know and I'm like first thing I do is check the bracket I was like oh my my goodness we got absolutely hosed just absolutely hosed and so you know um i really don't i, I understand with all the COVID stuff but i really don't like this regional scheduling thing like i just i don't i don't like it like and if you're gonna regionally schedule i think that sean made a really good point like why are we playing eastern washington like like wh- wh- that that would have made the most sense i mean yeah we're 
both from the same conference. But if that's truly, you know, what you want to do, like, what what are we doing here? And and then uh, it was just really really frustrating because you know I, I kind of said when we were doing our schedule preview this year that you know. I kind of said that, you know, we were going to have to be like Ohio State because we were only going to play five five or six games. We were going to have to be like Ohio State in the FBS season. Really, really put it on teams, you know, kind of make a, you know, make our case. However, that didn't happen. But, you know, the counter argument to that is, is that Jacksonville State lost to Austin P, a team that went four and five and is not even in the playoffs. I mean, you know, you can say whatever you want about, um, uh, you can say whatever you want about Weber State as far as, you know, did they have a quality win? Do they have a win that jumps off the page? Well, they don't have a loss that jumps off the page. And so, you know, we see that all the time in the NCAA basketball tournament. I know they're not the same thing. I, I, I get that. But, you know, we see that all the time um, uh, that, you know, teams with bad losses are normally are, are normally penalized. And to see the Jacksonville State, like, you know, could have a loss against a team that didn't even have a winning record this year and still be a higher seed, it's just, uh, it's disgusting. Like, it's just so frustrating. Yeah. How much How much blame does the conference have in all this? I mean, clearly the way the big sky set up the season – wasn't optimal clearly the committee put more value on the valley teams playing more teams and more games i i'm sure that the conference not putting blame you know necessarily on the conference office and saying hey it's their fault i mean they're acting as representatives of the, the school presidents but how much blame does the way that the conference set things up have here because clearly it didn't work well, I think that, you know, for the conference, they, they did the best that they could because they had so many opt-outs. And, you know, in some ways, some of the schools that did opt-out were, you know, kind of, it's kind of messed up. You know what I mean? Like Northern Colorado, when they chose to opt-out, you know, they said, oh, yeah, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. And then boom. Whereas, you know, some other schools like the Montana schools and Portland State, very early on in the process, you just said, we're not doing it. Or like Sac State, we're not doing it. You know, and they were right out in front saying there's no doubt that they're not going to be playing some other teams, you know, and I'm not saying that, you know, well, if Northern Colorado had played, that would have made all the difference. It probably wouldn't have. But I think the conference did the best they could with the hand that they were dealt, especially when, you know, there's no possibility for non-conference games. But but could, we, we could have played two more games. At least we could have played Idaho and Iwu at least. Yeah, I guess you could have. There's yeah. there's way logistics. It's, it's all in the past. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna throw the conference office under the bus. Uh, I'm not gonna call this an illegitimate season e either, as some of our big sky brethren like to tell us. <laughs> the, the the this is, there's there's a trophy that's gonna be handed out at the end. We all play by the rules. You, if you chose to play, you're in. Um, I'd like to move on and and talk about because I think I think what this gives the Wildcats is the chip on the shoulder. Nobody believed in us. Jay Hill's gonna motivate these guys to to death. And again, you have one team in front of you, one team, South Dakota State, that has not had a good history of of playoff success. Now you could argue the same thing for Weaver State, you know. Um, but but you, I, I think there's there's only one team in front of you that is a real hurdle to get to Frisco, Texas. I I think Weaver State has to take advantage of this opportunity and and. Play the nobody believed in us card. Be the UCLA. Go and get into the first four of the NCAA men's basketball tournament and riding that to the final four. You know, go on the road, win in advance. All you can do is take care of your own business now, and and that's what you got to do. But there's only one team that scares me, and that's that's South Dakota. And I think we can beat them, and I, even at their place. 
if if we play. Our offense has to get better. The, the, the Weber State offense has to get better. But I think the defense is good enough that South Dakota State is not going to be putting up 55 points on, Weber, on the Weber State Wildcats. And, yes, I am looking past Southern Illinois because South Dakota State rocked them, what is it, 44-3 on, yes. on the weekend or two weekends ago. Um, I, Southern Illinois has got nothing that impresses me. And the good news is, and you know, this is the beauty of this particular format. At some point, you're going to have to play everybody. So, you know, the the draw sucks, and we all agree that it sucks. And it's not something that you know, if you were painting a picture of what the ideal bracket looked for Weber State, it's definitely not this. But at the end of the day, you got to win the games that are in in front of you, and you know. I agree with Sean. If you get past, you know, the South Dakota State, the rest of the, uh, the rest of that side of the bracket, it's pretty favorable. And so, you know, you have to play at least you have to play all these teams, you know, at some point during the year. It just it just sucks that you know you, you, everybody dreams that when you open up that when you get the bracket that it's going to just you know open things up for your team and it's going to be an easy road. But you know, hey, that's that's sports, unfortunately, sometimes. <laughs> Yep. And I mean, and guys, I mean, I agree with you. Uh, South Dakota State is obviously the, the team that we're looking toward, but let's not look past Southern Illinois here because while, yes, South Dakota State did put a wall upon them, uh, keep in mind that uh, Southern Illinois is a team that beat North Dakota State. Uh, and so I think that, you know, we really need to focus on them this weekend. And I agree that, and I said this on the Instant Reaction show on Sunday, that I think that this is actually a good thing. This is maybe the best situation. If you weren't going to get seated, that the disrespect is going to fuel this team because, man, when this team plays with a chip on their shoulder, we've seen that they can do amazing things. 2017, going to play the Dukes in Virginia. And, wow, what a game. You know, Unfortunately, the Wildcats got their hearts broken on a last-minute uh, field goal. But, man, they, took, they gave the, the defending champion Dukes all they wanted in that game because some folks felt like, oh, wow, you know, they kind of got dissed. And, uh, wow, what a team. So I think it could potentially work to the Wildcats' advantage that they got such an unfavorable draw because, you know, in past years when they've announced who the Wildcats would play on Selection Sunday, you've seen the videos, the team's ecstatic, they're excited. Not this year. You know, it, after those first four seeds were up, and it was clear that the Wildcats weren't going to get one. It was just simply clapping, right? It was like, okay, this is what it is. And I think that that can maybe hopefully play to the advantage of both sides of the ball of this Wildcat squad. Look, it, it, here, here, here's what I think. I don't know what this playoff season will bring except these two things. Whatever game and whatever team Weaver State will play, the final score is going to be a lot closer than the people, odds makers in Vegas, the fans in the stands think it's going to be. No matter what, it's going to be a close game. Two, the Wildcats are undefeated. Until somebody beats them, they win the games. So let's just steal ourselves. The games are going to be closer than we think we are. They're, we think they are going to be. And the Wildcats are going to come out on top. That, that's the two things I've learned this season. Fair enough. Chappie or John, any... Uh... Parting thoughts before we wrap this one up. Looking forward to uh, going to Stewart Stadium on Saturday. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yep. Got to win the first one. So can't you can't win the national championship unless you win the first one. So you know, let's put a let's put out a strong showing and you know see where the road goes from here. Well, fellows, with that, we'll wrap this one up. Uh, like we noted, uh, this game will be at 2 p.m. up at Stewart Stadium. Uh, playoff football, folks. Uh, 
Tickets are available now. I saw the emails come through yesterday. And so uh, if you're already a season ticket holder, you'll have the opportunity. But I think that they're live to the public as well. So it's going to be a little bit different. If you've been to a playoff game up at Stewart Stadium before, you'll note that uh, things operate a little bit differently because the NCAA runs these things. But uh, make sure to get your tickets and be there for, um, for an opportunity to see playoff football happen in Ogden once again. So now let's go to our last segment of the show where I'm calling it... Uh, Ice cold blows, guys. And, uh, you know, we've, we've played hot, hot heat in the past couple of weeks where I wanted to get your hottest take when it comes to Weber State sports. But now I want to go the other way and I want to get your coldest take when it comes to Weber State sports. And so I'm not going to ask you to give your coldest take for each sport. I think the way that we're going to do this is I want you to think, panel, and I want you to think about one thing that you were so dead wrong about and tell our audience the story about being so dead wrong about that thing when it comes to Wildcat sports. So I want to start with Dustin Chappie Chapman. Chappie, tell us about a time where you felt you were so right and then you were proved so wrong with your takes about Wildcat sports. So are we? how many rounds of this are we going? Oh, we're just going one. I want to hear. Oh. I want to hear your coldest take ever. Okay, coldest take ever. Okay, twenty-five-year-old um, Chappie uh, was still young and still bright-eyed, and still thought bigger was better. Tends to be kind of a theory, a theme of life for a lot of people, where you get older and realize that maybe bigger's not better. Uh, my my coldest take ever was probably that right around the time that Utah was leaving the Mountain West and BYU was going independent and Utah State was, you know, coming out of the Sun Belt or Independence or whatever they're doing and getting into the Mountain West. Uh, my coldest take ever was that right around that time, Weber State would would join the WAC, that they would would hop up and and take take the bait and do whatever they needed to 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 get into one of those conferences and and have that. And that was that was simply a young man in me thinking that bigger was was better, and that's just the way it needed to be. So you felt that uh, Weber State was definitely eyeing that jump up to the FBS level, joining the WAC and uh, you know some fellow institutions here from Utah, and making the jump up from FCS to at the FBS level, and uh, hopefully being successful there. That's that's that was the take. That's the take, and and I, I mean I, I've since realized I was wrong. Weber is better off in the Big Sky today. It's the best place for them if we could just get uh, folks in Weber County to, to do their part and, and support them rather than one of the other in-state schools would be completely fine. But, but yeah, I mean, younger me just, you know, starry eyed thought that uh, that bigger was always better no matter what and that Weber State needed to make that jump and that it was absolutely the time to do it. Mm. And we've seen what's happened to Idaho and you know, that doesn't work out so well. For sure. <laughs> All right. Uh, I mean, that's a pretty cold take. I'm not going to lie, uh, but I can't judge you. You know, I was doing weird things when I was 25 years old, too, like studying Arabic like an idiot. So uh, now I'm going to go to uh, John King. John King, can you tell us what's your what's the coldest take you've ever had when it comes to Weber State sports? All right. So you guys will have to forgive me because, you know, I would I would classify myself as a, you know, newer fan um, after, you know, showing up in Ogden around like, you know, the year 2016. So, you know, my my knowledge is not as deep as what, you know, Sean and what Chappie have historically. Um, and this isn't necessarily like, you know, a super, I, I guess, cold take. Uh, so this isn't 
I'm, I'm probably not going to be the best on this segment, but, you know, I remember when I first read about Bricot Chapman um, showing up, was going to be showing up on uh, Weber State's campus. I, I remember first reading about that and reading about all the stuff that, you know, he did with USA Basketball. And I was like, this is going to be the next guy who is going to be an NBA draft pick. Like, he's going to have a nice, you know, is he going to be like an elite star like Damian Lillard? Probably not, but he's going to go on and have a nice career in the, you know, in the league. He had a great frame, you know, six, nine, um, very athletic, could shoot it at times. And, you know, not saying that he had, you know, a bad career, at, uh, not saying that he had a bad career at Weber State, but he wasn't necessarily the transcendent player that I thought that he was going to be. I thought that he was going to be someone that was really going to come in and, you know, be the best player in the big sky from day one. And that was not the case. And so, you know, I was really, really, I remember being really, really excited when I first learned that he was going to be showing up on campus. And then when he, you know, didn't exactly live up to what I thought my expectations were, you know, I thought that was, I thought, I thought he could have, you know, done just a little bit more uh, while he was here um, as a wildcat. Mm. Well, I, I can't blame you on that one, man, because, you know, all signs pointed to the fact that, yeah, like he was going to be that player, you know, stand out at Roy High School, go Royals, and uh, also playing at Utah, you know, and then just, you know, looking for an opportunity. Weber State gave him that. So I was like, all right, he's coming home. He's going to go play at our gym up in Ogden. And uh, it's going to be it's going to be absolutely fantastic. Right. Uh, but then, like you said, uh, I think that things didn't those teams didn't exactly produce the way that we had hoped uh, ran into, you know, Montana a couple of times in the tournament. That was not a very favorable matchup. And the Wildcats ended up losing. Um, so I, I, I can get that. But I understand kind of where you would why you would get there. And I think I probably would have probably, you know, thinking back to myself in 2016, I probably would have been right there with you. So don't feel bad, John King. I probably had that same take. <laughs> All right. Uh, now, Sean Lewis, it's your opportunity. Let's open the fridge, man. What's that coldest take you've ever had about Weber State sports? I, I would like to uh, thank you for allowing me the opportunity to go last in this competition so we can get these lame stories out of the way. I'd like to start off, and I was yawning a little bit during Chappie's presentation because he was putting me to sleep, and, and I, I fully expect the, the same treatment uh, during this story here. But I, I would like to give a little bit of a resume um, to uh, what I'm about to say. I once went more than 10-plus years without missing a men's basketball home game at the Purple Palace. Um, every game stayed till the end, no matter what, win or lose, um, saw a lot of great basketball. And I remember in 2008, seeing a young freshman wearing Jersey number one, come into the arena and, uh, and, uh, playing some pretty good ball and thinking, wow, this kid's got some talent. Uh, he's different than other players we've seen in the big sky. Um, but that was it. I watched every home game and most of the road games, not live in person, but as many as I could get on TV, watched every home game, uh, that, uh, Mr. Lillard, uh, played at the purple palace and up into even went to some, uh, road games, watched the, uh, one went down to Provo one time to watch him and Jimmer, but Jimmer got hurt or, or Damien got hurt right before that or something. We, we, they kept missing each other. Um, in that, and the big debate was who was going to be the better NBA player, uh, Jimmer Fredette or uh, Damian Lillard. 
And I got in some pretty heated arguments with my carpool buddies as we would make the hour drive from Ogden to Colville and uh, talking about what meant success in the NBA and what uh, would happen from that. And so I'm going to be a, a Damian Lillard truther right here because anybody that sat as much as I did in the Purple Palace and thought that Damian Lillard was going to be a multiple-time NBA All-Star superstar with his own signature line of shoes from day one at the Purple Palace is a bold-faced liar. <laughs> bold-faced liar. This Damian Lillard special, he is the Wildcat God. I give him everything that he has worked for and is due. But even up until... He left after his junior year and was preparing for the draft. We knew he was going to be drafted. We knew that he would probably go in the first round. Nobody told you number six. Nobody told you NBA superstar. Nobody tell, told you that he would be Dame Time and Logo Lillard and, and lighting the NBA on fire and be a must-see on NBA League Pass. Nobody. Coach Ray may have told you that, and I believe him because he was saw him in practice every day. Nobody in the stands knows that. And if anybody asks you when they knew Damian Lillard was special and they say his freshman year walking into campus, they are a liar. I was there. So, so, so Sean, it was the was the – there we go. That is ice cold. <laughs> it was the, the Portsmouth Invitational, right, when people really started to realize, oh, wow, Dame might get drafted. But I will side with you because – I mean, I thought, as a young fan, I thought for sure that Jermaine Boyette would get drafted. I thought he was good enough. I thought he would be on the Jazz. Uh, his yep. co-mate there, Slobodano Sokolic, that guy was amazing too. Like I thought, I thought Harold Arsenault would get would get drafted. Probably would have if he had he left after after we beat North Carolina. Yep. Uh, I, all those guys, none of them, none of them ever panned out. So I'm with you. We were all skeptical on Dave, including the team 35 miles to the south of us who, who more than anybody should have known that he was special and traded whoever should have, have should have but 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 the, the 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 thing is revisionist history there are so many weber state fans that'll go out and say wow dame was was the man in college yes he was he was special for a big sky player but nobody knew that he would be NBA all-star. I thought, man, if success in the NBA, look, Keith Van Horn had a successful NBA career in my book. Guy went 12, 13 years in the league, got traded once, and got paid a couple million dollars to sit at home. Um, I, You can have a long career in the NBA and be successful. You may not be super-duper star. I guarantee you, anybody in Ogden that thought Damian, Damian Lillard was going to be a super-duper star is up in the night. The only two people that have the, the credentials to be able to say that are Phil Beckner and Randy Ray. That's it. That's the list. Hmm. Well, uh, so if I understood Sean's take correctly, uh, he, he didn't, he didn't really own that. He kind of spread that out all across wildcat fandom and said that, you know, it's not just him with the cold take. It was everybody else. So I, I don't know about this take, man. I, I'm saying I was wrong. I'm saying that sure. I was wrong about and so was everyone else. What's what superstardom <laughs> he would achieve in the NBA? I'm just calling out all the liars that that are lying about what they knew at the time they knew it. Now that's all I'm doing. I, I think this should go to a social media vote, man. I think this. I think we need a vote here on that. That, that would be a fun vote, and maybe that's something we'll do. We'll put something out there and find out. You know. Who's telling on themselves? Who thought that Dame was going to be first team All NBA and you know potentially a dark horse in the NBA in the MVP conversation in 2021? I don't know, man. I He's doubt that he should have had an MVP by now, but you know yeah, that's well. politics and all that. Yeah, Sean is right. Sean is right. Nobody knew. Nobody knew. Nobody knew. Nobody knew. Nobody knew.
All right, fellas. Well, uh, I'm going to revise my list. There are three people that knew. Dame. I'm going to add Dame himself to that list. Dame knew. That's that's it. Dame bet on himself and won. All right, fellas. Let's uh, let's wrap this one up. Uh, we have a, a few upcoming events. Not a lot, though, because things are kind of wrapping up when it comes to uh, college athletics. Now, as we're getting into the summer, just have football and softball. Uh, Golf is having their uh, Big Sky Championship this week and another. So Friday, April 23rd, softball, like we noted in the interview with me, Rushton, is taking the trip down to Cedar City to take on SUU, take on the T-Birds. There will be a doubleheader on Friday, 1 p.m., and that will be on Pluto TV and WatchBigSky.com. And then the second game will be at 3 p.m., Pluto TV and WatchBigSky.com. Then Saturday, April 24th, another game for the Wildcats against SUU. That game will be at noon on Pluto TV and WatchBigSky.com. And then, like we noted in the last segment, uh, we're going to be playing some playoff football in Ogden again. Weber State Wildcats will be taking on the Southern Illinois Salukis at 2 p.m. at Stewart Stadium. If you're not inclined to go to the game, and I don't know why you wouldn't be, uh, ESPN3, or you can listen to the sultry tones of Steve Klauke on 103.1 The Wave. So with that, folks, uh, we're going to wrap the show up like we usually do. You can email us if you have thoughts, comments, questions, WeberStateWeekly at gmail.com or info at WeberStateWeekly.com. You can find us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Twitter is the best place to interact with us, especially on game day. And we have a blog, WeberStateWeekly.com. Go check out the content there. Uh, I've got a few things come up over the past couple of weeks. And so a lot of good stuff on the blog. So check it out, WeberStateWeekly.com slash blog. Um, also, we noted at the top of the show, we have a Patreon account, so we uh, patreon.com slash weeperstateweekly if you'd like to support the coverage that we're trying to give to the Wildcats and help us to kind of grow what we're doing, uh, investing in some interesting tools and helping us to pay for some things that would helpfully, hopefully help enhance the work that we're trying to do here at Weber State Weekly. So with all of that out of the way, fellas, I'm going to wrap it up like we usually do and say Weber State, Weber State. Great. 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 Go Wildcats. <laughs> Weber State Weekly is a Deep State Media production. It's produced by Colby Peterson. It's directed and edited by Dan Martinez. 